What's up? Uh, we're here with uh, buddy Sam Parr, founder of The Hustle and now at HubSpot. Yes. Are you technically a HubSpot employee after you got acquired? Yeah. Oh man, look at you, little employee. Okay, well, I guess you're like a really high paid employee though, right? Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, um, I think so. Yeah, it's my first, I think it's my first job. Nice. Okay, so uh, we have a whole like intro on the other video we did. This is round two with Sam Parr. So real quick. Wait, when, when did we do that one? We did that one a little bit while ago. Before, was that before we sold? Before acquisition. Yeah, you were on the TV show American Pickers. You did a bunch of uh, different things. You did Southern Sam's, wieners as big as a baby's arm. Yeah. Uh, food stand, a, a hot dog hot stand. Hot dog stand. Roommate matching app called Bunk was acquired by Apartment List. Uh, I think they're about to go... I think they're about to go public. Oh, damn. Do you get anything out of that? Yeah. Nice. Um, and then you started uh, HustleCon and The Hustle, which is a newsletter with around what? How many readers? Uh, we could we could say close to 2 million. 2 million. And then uh, this year got acquired by The Hustle. February. Yeah. HubSpot. Got HubSpot. There we go. Yeah. And I was an investor. So uh, uh, thanks for the free money. Yeah. yeah we thanks furnished, for doing all the work. And I, I just furnished your house. <laughs> you totally did. It furnished his house. It's gonna be. We, we got the wallpaper guy coming and everything. Yeah, we we we. It did good. Cool. So uh, if you want to talk, we last time we talked extensively about newsletters and stuff. If you want to find out about how Sam started a newsletter, you can uh, go on uh, the other video, and we'll link that above or something like that. How so, many How many people watched that? Five thousand. I have no idea because we put it on different platforms. So yeah, good amount. Anyways, let's get started. So you recently sold a company. Um, after you sold your company. What, what, what changed? Is life better? Is life different? It's way better. Life is way better. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think it's better. Uh, well, we are neighbors, so we live four doors down. <laughs> so I bought my house and I furnished it and I, I had a, I like the thing about selling a company is like, m I imagine in most cases, like you probably are financially doing okay before you sell. Right. Yeah. So that, necessarily hasn't been the biggest change which a lot of people think it is mm -hmm. but there's a weight off my shoulders and that's a huge change yes i'm incredibly happy yes oh. i feel like there was a it feels nice to have a start middle and an end do people take you more seriously is there like a a, a different because now everyone knows that it was acquired by a public company i think they know the price um i don't know do they yeah, I think so. I, I think they know, or I think people take me more. Do they? I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, actually. I mean, you sold a company to a public company. That uh, that sounds like pretty awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely like a, a check mark on the scoreboard. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but it makes me more proud. I'm, I have more internal proud pride than I do external. Like, I don't really care too much about the external stuff. But yeah, I feel like that's the weight off my shoulders is I pulled something off that I... That very, very few. I mean, how many companies are sold a year? 5,000? I don't know. I, I don't even know. Like single digit thousands, I would imagine. Maybe 10,000, but not that many. Yeah. It feels cool. What'd you do with the money? What was the first thing you did? I bought a fancy car. Um, and that was the only major purchase. And then I bought a rowing machine and that was $2,000. And a... <laughs> I think that's the only thing I bought. I'm me, Sarah, my wife, and my mom and dad. I'm me and Sarah are gonna fly economy, but we're gonna fly my parents first class, and we're gonna go to Europe. They've never really been outside the country too much, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a thing. So a car and a trip. Nice. Nothing, right? I mean, nothing substantial. I could have bought the car already. Not right now. Well, I remember you told me. Uh, I had some friends that told uh, me a similar thing. We were talking about it, and they said, "Don't do anything for six months." 
and I've not done anything major. I bought the car and that's it. Yeah. And it was a $105,000 car, which is expensive, but we're not talking like Ferrari. Well, you stuff. did buy a station wagon. So you look like a Persian house mom right now. I, that's yeah. pretty funny. I do. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. Let's, let's change gears. Uh, Twitter. Like it feels like during the pandemic, Twitter got kind of awesome. Uh, I was always on Twitter, but I just like share links to articles and stuff. And then during the pandemic, I was like, well, I guess this is how you hang out now. Uh, did you feel it also? Uh, were you active on Twitter like before the pandemic a lot or did it happen? I started that? doing it because my friend named Jason Lumpkin, you know, Jason, mm -hmm. he's got Saster. Yep. He got popular on Quora and then he got popular on Twitter and I did a meetup with him and he told me it was awesome. And so I started doing it before the, about uh, maybe one year before the pandemic, maybe two years before I forget exactly. And I started going hard on it and I got so much value from it. My friend, our friend, Jack, he probably makes two or three million bucks a year selling his course all from Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing like that and I was like, oh, I'm gonna try this Twitter thing. And I cracked the code and I got fairly popular fairly quickly. And then I got super bored with it. And I think it's a circle jerk now, but- But you're on it all the time still. Yeah, I am, but I'm not doing the tactics that I did to get popular. Like I could tell you the tactics to get popular on Twitter. And Please I'm, do. It's long threads. So you basically go to Wikipedia, you go to Reddit and you find things so like, when content goes popular, there's like, it all starts with emotion, right? What emotion are you going to have the person have? So like, you don't want sadness, but you do want like a shock and awe, or you do want laughter. What are the other emotions? Like you want like a handful of emotions that since the beginning of human time, uh, humans have related to and it, and, and it stuck with them. And so you just figure out what those emotions are. And then you do long form. So like 10 to 30 th tweet threads, so like a, a thread mm -hmm. and you tell a story and it's just like copywriting where the, the goal of the first sentence is to get you to read the second one, to get you to read the third to the fourth. And if you get someone down to like thread 10 or thread 20, the likelihood that they're going to hit share is incredibly high. Mm. Joe Sugarman, slippery slope. Yes. Yeah. It's just traditional copywriting technique. That's and what I heard because I think one of your, uh, I don't know, employees, people who works on the hustle, Trung, I talked to him for an hour. I, I was like, can you review my Twitter or something like that? Well, I like, thing. so I like, I, I don't want to go as far to say, but it might be true, but maybe it's not true. So I don't want to like overstate it, but I would say I taught a lot of people at my company how to do it. And many of them learned how to do it and are now way better than I am. They surpassed you. They surpassed me, which I'm cool with. I, that makes me proud. So Trung is better than me. You're richer. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Tr Trung is better than me. Sean is like a God on Twitter, like 150,000. And like, again, I don't want to, like, it, 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 it could be like a lot of people discovered this at the same time, or it could be that they saw me doing it. I don't know, but a lot of people are now doing a lot of the stuff that I, I noticed worked that I was testing it definitely will continue to work and still works. I just find it to be annoying at this point because I already figured it out. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like once you figure out how to do something, you're like, uh, all right, I'm not excited. But Twitter, you know, it was weird. Like when I started posting a little bit on Twitter, I got more like in-person meetings and Zoom meetings because it was during that pandemic time than I ever had like being on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like, I mean, like I like become lot. friends with people. Like I, Jack Butcher, I met him on Twitter. He's a good friend of mine. He's like, a, I consider him like a family friend. Like I met close. him on Twitter also. Yeah, met him on Twitter. Um, um, I mean, you and I met on email. It's just like the, a different version. But yeah, it's I think it's actually better than email. Um, Ryan Dice, I've become friends with, I've close with. I met him on Twitter. Who else? I mean, I met everyone. I, I met most people on Twitter. I've hired, you know, Steph Smith, who works for me? Yep. Twitter. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah, damn. It's 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 like basically a mini blog. I never thought like just like a tiny little blog would be that powerful. Yeah, cool. but the best part about Twitter is that like I get people who DM me and 
this sounds like a little disrespectful, but it's true. Is like you can sell, tell who's like legit and who's not by like what's in their bio, how many followers they have, if they have the blue check mark. I mean, it's superficial, but when you get like a lot of messages, it's so fast and easy to filter who's like a heavy hitter versus who isn't. Yeah. I love doing that. And I love it. I love it when I see someone who's really awesome join and they have like 900 followers and you're like kind of one of the first. Yeah. Like a month later, they have like 18,000. You're like, oh, they Dude, are a big deal. Listen to this on July 18th or something like that. I'm going up to New York and I'm going to, I rented, I, I'm doing a, a race car class, like a racing class. Mm. And I did it because I tweeted out, I want to do a racing class. What are the best ones? And I got so many people DMing me, a hundred people DMing me. And there's this professional NASCAR driver named Parker. I don't even know his last name, Parker K. I forget. He, him or a group just bought a huge famous racetrack in New York. And he goes, I just, I'm a, I'm a NASCAR driver. And he's got like hundreds of thousands of followers. I'll host you. I'm, I love your work. And it's sick. So now I'm like going to go race cars and have this adventure Dude, all because the thing of Twitter. That the best about like with your size, I don't know how many followers you have. I don't fucking know. Maybe 80,000. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I heard the magic number from Pet Laja, one of our friends. He said 40,000. He's like, something happened. People keep sending me free shit. You get a lot of free shit. I get a crazy amount of free stuff. You get a lot of candy. Well, because I tweet that like I like candy. So like <laughs> M&M sent me uh, like M&M's with my face on it. Um, Coca-Cola, I tweeted that I love Diet Coke. They sent me the like new, these beta flavors, like these, the test flavors that they're trying out. <laughs> um, uh, Cody sent me literally 50 Butterfingers. A few weeks ago, someone sent me literally 300 Twinkies. So I get all types of like cakes oh and God. shit. And I, it's pretty awesome. You're going to make him fat people. He, he can't, like I, himself. yeah, I can't, <laughs> I tweeted out, I'm looking for the world's greatest t-shirt and someone, I got sent like dozens of different shirts. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's sick. it's sick. Or like, I'll tweet out, like, I'm looking for a new mattress. What's the best one? And like five mattress companies are like, hey, we'll send you one. Well, it's they also probably want to mention the hustle, right? Yeah, but I always explicitly tell them, um, look, if you want to like send me something, like you can, but I'm not going to talk about you, you unless I Miami actually story? want to. Can you tell the Miami story? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So in Miami, we went the other day. And a guy was like, hey, do you want to come to the Floyd Mayweather fight? Like, I'm working on it, and I have, like, the best seats. You can have them. And I go, great. Sounds good. Uh, I would love if you – and he goes, yeah, it's a – you know, you're friends of a friend. I know who you are. I would love to host you. I said, great. And then, like, the day before the fight, he was like, all right, um, I can give you the info on the tickets, but, like, you know, are you going to mention us in the hustle or on Twitter? And I go, no, I'm not going to. And he goes uh, – and, and I, in fact, I said, in fact uh, – I don't want the tickets just because you've been brought it up. I'm out. And, <laughs> and, he, and yeah, we didn't go. And I had planned on going. But, yeah, if people, like, say something like that, I automatically say I don't want it. Keep it. Dude, lesson learned. Send Fram, Sam free stuff and uh, don't ask for anything. Yeah, and <laughs> I mention it a lot of times. Like, I'll mention it a lot of times. But if you ask me to, it's an automatic no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of gross. You're expecting something. So let's talk about different social media platforms. Um, obviously, social media back in the day when it first started, when probably you were in college, high school, something like that. It was kind of a joke. It was like something like a 16 year old girl does. And it was kind of like made fun of, right? It's like, oh, she's just posting what she had for breakfast. That was the thing. Now it seems like it's just like a woven part of our life. Just like the internet, you don't log on. It's just there. It's always there. And so give me your thoughts on the different social media platforms, pros and cons. I'm going to list one out. You say some of the pros and cons, Facebook. Okay. Um, for years, I have always, I've made a joke that I don't buy any individual stocks except for Facebook. I think it's a great company. We spent, I've spent tens of millions of dollars on their ad platform. It 
the pros is that for years it was the most effective maybe still is the most effective ad platform another pro is i think facebook marketplace i just sold something this morning for 50 dollars on facebook marketplace an old beanbag <laughs> um i think facebook marketplace is amazing i think that's way better than craigslist it's the only company that's ever beat craigslist at something um hmm. n none of the other companies really have ever like You're right um beat it so facebook marketplace is amazing and facebook groups i think is the world's best forum software huge pro con is uh, my my opinion has shifted i think that they're um like i think that it's like a really like bad habit i would not i'm gonna try and get off of it a little bit more i, I wouldn't want my kids to use it i think that um they're they innovate quite slowly other than buying interesting stuff and i think that um in 10 years i don't think that facebook as it is now will really be that cool or popular but i do think um oculus will will i think it'll be a vr company instead very true i think we're gonna live in that at some point yeah but i don't think that like i i if i was starting my business today i would be very hesitant to become a customer of facebook because i don't think that it's going to be much of a thing in five or ten years hmm. as it is now the company will exist i believe all right uh what about linkedin pros and cons of it um the only pro is that it's where a lot of people are and the cons are just about everything. <laughs> I, I think it sucks to use. So I've got like five or six or maybe even more, 10 or something like that. Many thousands of like requests. I can't just like click select all. Yeah. So I don't actually accept any of them. Um, they're, they're, the way that they have their login where they make you go through horrible captcha stuff to log in. I, I mean, I just think it, it, it succeeds in spite of itself. And I imagine it will um, be replaced in a, in, a, in a relatively short amount of time, a decade or so. I think it's horrible. Huh. But do you hire on it? Uh, no. Twitter. I hire more on Twitter than LinkedIn. Interesting. Okay. So that brings in. But I'm in the media world, right? Yeah. So like, I need to see what people like can talk about and I, I need to see the, the written word. Uh, if I'm hiring a dev, a lot of devs don't even have LinkedIn. I don't care about that at all. If I'm hiring an operations person or something that is not writing or is not development, but is like a hundred thousand dollar plus professional white collar job then yeah i do use it but like uh yeah i i don't I've, i use it very little to the point of like i would have to go and remember my password <laughs> well so for for my usage of linkedin is nothing because it just annoys me with all the messages it's like the automated like happy work anniversary yeah it's like it. why do i have 400 of these in my inbox and then uh the other thing i've noticed though is interesting like inside of our course we rewrite all these people's cold emails and stuff people use linkedin a lot for that and our actually, salespeople did it works and it works yeah it works so and you, you can't can, there's that. also a feature where you could pay money to get into someone's inbox mm -hmm. and i think that's effective you could also do like the premium thing which i don't really know what it gets you but it just gives you a little bit more access and clout and, and well but this is like a maybe I'm, I'm not trying to humble brag but i am right now i've got like uh maybe fifty thousand followers on it and so like i've got like a ton of messages and i just so i don't know like from a non like public facing person what it's like from a public facing yeah it's horrible. I, I always tell people because like a lot of people don't have as many friends on there as we do so it's just like if they have you know 50 friends seeing your work anniversary email you're like oh that's kind of nice that, and that sarah get my wife gets recruited weekly on linkedin oh interesting yeah well i mean linkedin's pretty cool in that way uh what about Twitter. I guess we already kind of talked about yeah, it's that. cool. Pros and cons. I think as an ad, the ad platform, we've never had success on it. So I think that if I was a shareholder, a big, if I like was a meaningful shareholder of Twitter, I would want to fire or demote Jack Dorsey and get like 
an ad driven person there um, because their ad stuff is horrible. It's quite bad. Where do you think Twitter's going? Um, I think that they honestly don't need to do much more than what they're doing. Or, no, actually, I, I changed that. I think it's. I think that what they're going to do is they're going to launch. So they acquired an email newsletter company called Review. Mm-hmm. I think. I think they're going to integrate and they're going to clone Substack, and I think that will be a total win. I think if they launch a subscription service, that will also be a total win. I think that they can also, um, and so that subscription service will replace Substack and OnlyFans, and I think they can crush it because you know they allow porn on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Or nudity? I mean, I, I I don't know, but like I, I've I've heard these yeah. things, yeah, exist, yeah. So I think that could replace OnlyFans. I think that's sick. I think that Twitter should lean into the news department a little bit more. I think when there's like a local event or like a noise outside or a fire, one of the first things you do is lean into Twitter totally. and, and type in like Austin fire. Mm-hmm. So I think they can lean into the news a little bit more. Like Facebook has done a good job of that. Um, but the Substack competitor and the um, email newsletter competitor, I think will be badass and freaking awesome. Uh, so this brings me to the next one. What about Clubhouse? Oh, uh, Twitter should, is is cloning Clubhouse. They already did. It's so good, and it's so good. Clubhouse is dead. Yeah, I'm not bullish on it at all. Hmm. I haven't heard anyone really talk about it after the pandemic. Uh, you know, they they're bragging about like basically like they do have a niche among like hip hop and black communities, mm. and that's cool. Obviously, I'm not like entirely part of that community, so I don't <laughs> I don't know everything. I know it from a very like academic point of view of like that's who's using it. But no, I think they're gonna go out of business. Yeah, I haven't joined a clubhouse in a while. Have you? No, I I haven't logged on, and I only log on just to like as a as like an industry person to figure out what's going on. Like, um, is the app gonna die? But I think it's gonna go. I think I was bullish on them because I thought they could have been the greatest podcast generation studio on the entire planet, and they still haven't done it. It's. I don't think it will work. Unfortunately, I would like it to, but it won't. Like I don't if they think. if they just took like so there are cool live calls that happen. You know, Balaji will get on with Naval or something like that. If they just spliced all the good parts and made it a podcast that you could listen to later, that'd be amazing. But they haven't done it. It's just people just rip it off of YouTube and do that themselves and get the views over there. Yeah, I I, I don't think it's going to work out well. YouTube, I think, is just the greatest thing on earth. Well, let's talk about YouTube. That was the next one. YouTube, I think it's the greatest. Cons. Uh, cons. It's still. I think undervalued and under underused. I think mostly young people use it. YouTube TV, I think is the greatest thing ever. Mm. Um, YouTube on Apple TV, I still think it's way underused, but I think it's the greatest thing ever. I use it every day. I use it um, every day as well. I don't use TV other than YouTube TV and normal YouTube. Once they get streaming sports, which they already do a little bit. YouTube TV has that, I think. Yeah, yeah. but not all. Mm. Um, it's still uh, like a little localized, but they do. Um, I think it's gonna be, I think it'll be, it'll be as big as like the normal Google. I think it's great. The ad platform is pretty sick. It's hard to make video ads, but uh, the ROI there is very, very, very good. We spent a lot of money there for trends. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we bought houses roughly around the same time. It's just like, if I want to like replace an electrical outlet and I want to do it myself, YouTube. Yeah, I, I've learned everything on I it. I think it's sick. I, I, I'm incredibly bullish on Google just for owning YouTube. I heard, I think Austin Allred from Landville School recently tweeted something. He talked about like, yeah, I saw that. School. That's I know it's, like, it's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but it is a good encapsulation. And it says basically he went to a private school 
And they said, he said, who are your biggest competitors? And he was thinking they're going to say like MIT or Harvard. Yeah. And it was like YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, that sounds very uh, Whatever. Convenient. You're a big shit talker on Twitter too. So uh, that, yeah, that, no, I like Austin. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that sounds like a, a incredibly conveniently good story. And But I do agree with it regardless if it's true or not. But it is. Like, I mean, I think about like what I learned in class in school. And it's just like you have this teacher that's repeated the same thing seven times that day versus a guy who spent two weeks doing experiments and editing as a professional film crew which one's going to be better it's going to be youtube every time and in terms of owned audiences i definitely think email still number one but i think youtube's number two i agree also when we look at the stats for a youtube channel which has roughly sixty thousand members whatever like when you look at the on-page time um it's like hours it's it's like it's not even a, a close thing compared to any other social platform yeah yeah i mean twitter's great facebook's great but then youtube is ultra ultra great yeah, I, I, I agree. It's also the hardest one to grow. Have you I think podcasts that? are harder to grow than YouTube. You think so? Yeah. And I think email is e- almost easier than all of them. Well, let's go into that. Uh, actually, I have a whole separate thing on podcasts. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's go over two more. Instagram. Um, Pros, cons. I don't like the culture of Instagram. I think it's too... Instagram's like the Miami of the world. <laughs> like It's like for bathroom sex and credit card debt. I think it's... I don't like Instagram. <laughs> I, I, I think it has a bad culture. TikTok's culture is amazing. Like, have, have you ever hung out with like an 18 or a 20 year old or like a 14 or 16 year old? Yeah. Like they're so nice and friendly and warm and they don't make fun of each other. I always like, it's not a joke, but it's like when we were kids, like you would, you would make fun of someone if, when we were like younger, like, dude, don't be gay. And like, I remember I talked to like a 12 year old, like Sarah's cousin. And I was like, I was like, by the way, like, do kids? Because I saw like a lot of the popular TikTokers are like androgynous. You know, you don't know what if they're boy or girl or whatever. And I'm like, by the way, these guys are popular and everyone's really nice in the comments. Do you guys ever make fun of anyone for being gay? And they go like, why would we ever make fun of someone for being gay? You know, it'd be like, would we? That's an ma- old joke from our generation. It's like that's would, gonna would, die. Would we make fun of someone for being tall? And and I was like, yeah. I I was like, I, I'm just I'm just wondering how you guys interact. And there and 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 I think that that is being that's happening in TikTok of like this like incredibly warm, very little bullying compared to before. And I think Instagram has a lot of that. Hmm. So I think TikTok's sick. Although I'm nervous to use it because it's a Chinese company. Yeah, I, I have it on my phone. It's it's too addicting. Like you just you waste a lot of time. On it's it. amazing. All right, uh, let's talk about living in different places. You have like lived in all the popular places now. So San Francisco, you, you live in Austin right now. You're going to New York. I've lived in New York too, though. Uh, you've been to Miami. I, I know you don't have. I've spent time there. I've got things. family there. What do you, what do you what's uh, good? What do you think of San Francisco? Okay, so San Francisco, I think is the way that I explain it is there is like ten thousand things to hate about it, right? There's like the homeless problem, the weather is like, okay. Like it's, it's the problem. It's never like too hot and it's never cold, which oh, is kind of boring. I love it. Um, like if I'm not, I don't consider myself to be liberal, but it's like not that great. Um, and I think, I don't think you could hear that in this mic. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of bad stuff about it, but there's two amazing things, which is like high caliber people. And the geography is like the best of any city in the, in the country. I think mm-hmm. I, so I think it's amazing and I hope that it like crumbles and rebuild itself and i would love to go back um i moved to austin from san francisco the pros i think are everyone is so friendly here it's significantly more fun and easier to live in than san francisco or new york Mm. i even though people complain that the prices are going up compared to those cities it's still uh, way uh, way more affordable 
and um, there is some diversity of um, political stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is for me is that it's incredibly white. It's like still like pretty homogenous in terms of uh, ethnicity and race, which is only one type of diversity, but that is lacking. And as someone who has a black wife, it kind of makes her uncomfortable. And um, I miss the hustle and bustle of a major city. So overall, I think it's good, but I still miss it. I still miss like a New York. I feel like you go to San Francisco and New York to get rich and then you move here to live good. The easy, the living here is way easier. Yeah. Like it's just like you're happier, but it's kind of like running a marathon where like I train for it uh, or like any sporting event, you train for it and it like kind of stinks, but you're happy to be doing it. And then you're right in the middle of the race and you're like, this fucking sucks. I'm never doing this again. I'm out of here. You finish it and you're like, never again. And then like three weeks later, you're like, I need to feel that pain again. And that's how I feel about living in New York is I currently don't have that pain. I have a very easy, comfortable, cushy life here, but I miss the grind. And so I'll be happy to move. I'm moving there um, Wednesday, a week from tomorrow for three months. Yeah. Uh, So I've been, uh, I've been one of those unemployed fools forever. And so I've always like never had to be in a specific place. And I always thought, and way back in the day, I would leave for just the summers and go places. And I always thought that the best place to live is two places. And the reason is when you stay in any place, you just get used to it, right? You start, everything's the same. You stop appreciating it. Like I used to live like on sixth street. And after a while, you're just like, it's so crazy when people first come there, but after a while, you're just like, Oh, this is my backyard. Like you just, you just think it's normal. That's every yeah, place you go. But I think it, I definitely, and I think it's good to have different perspectives. So when I'm in New York, I'm like around a bunch of finance oriented people and everyone's like doing this and that. And then I'm in Austin and I'm still around entrepreneurial types of folks, but they're doing different stuff. And I think it's good to have different perspectives. And so I really enjoy that. That's why I think two places living is so that's far what we're better doing. than one. Yeah. So we bought this place. I'll, I can say the numbers. So we bought, how much did I, I paid 960,000 for my house. My monthly payment is all my, so the, the mortgage rent, insurance or sorry mortgage insurance utilities and what else do you have on your payment whatever like the fixed yeah. costs mostly fixed costs i think it's forty eight hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. and then how much did i i think i spent sixty thousand dollars to furnish it mm-hmm. and then um i'm now renting it out for around eighty five hundred a month when i'm gone so i'm making a profit and i'm gonna use that profit to put towards my new york rent i'm renting a place there for six thousand a month so i'm actually getting like what 25 or no 3000 a month in New York. And I'm looking to buy a place there and I want to do the exact same thing and live for free. It's easy right now to do all this stuff. Like in such an awesome bull market, you just like rent it for whatever you want. It's I crazy. think I'll be able to rent that for more. I just didn't, I found a friend who rented it for three months for the whole time as opposed, and everyone's like, dude, that's so much money. And I agree. It is a lot of money. But my reasoning is if you want to stay in a three bedroom home for a month, is that, that's how much it costs is $300 a night. Like yeah. that's like pretty normal. And it's like, and we live in a place that's like, it feels like a nice quiet neighborhood and literally three blocks away. It's like crazy stuff. Yeah. And if you want to go somewhere, like if you want to go stay in a hotel somewhere, that would cost 150 to $200 a night here at my place, you're getting a three bedroom home with the gym and a neighborhood like $300 a night is not a lot of money. I mean, that's like normal. That's what you'd expect. So like if you can book it out for three months, like it becomes quite profitable. Also your rents are pays for the gym, but I get to use the gym. That's that should be in the clause, by the way. Uh, dude, let's talk about newsletters for a second. Uh, we, we went in, like I said, in Sam's other video, we did a lot of newsletter stuff, but right now it seemed like six months ago or a year ago, like everyone, their brother and their mom started a freaking newsletter. Did you mm-hmm. see this like huge wave, especially on Twitter? Like just everyone started a newsletter. Um, as someone who started one of the world's largest newsletter, is this wise? Like, like, are these people, 
Are these people all going to crap out of their newsletter? All of them, no. Most, yes. Mm. I don't think people realize how hard it is. Um, What's hard about it? Dude, writing stuff is way harder than a podcast or a video. I mean, with video, you have to edit. So as long as you don't have to be the editor, you're okay. But podcasts, I think, are like super... uh, Newsletters are super challenging because writing... like. Your average newsletter probably has a thousand to two thousand words, or you're sending articles that are longer. That takes so much work, just to find stuff to write about too. You just uh, it's really really hard, and um, they're they're but the thing is is that they're super easy to start. Yeah, like they're so easy to start. It's not hard to start that. YouTube is harder to start. Um, podcasts are harder to start, but newsletters are so hard to keep on going it's just challenging to write shit all the time and it's challenging to write good shit that people want to read on a consistent basis and the bad thing about newsletters is in order to make them good you have to be consistent so i think it's a, i think yeah most will quit yeah i mean I, i've anecdotally seen most of the people that started a Substack. they no longer promote their Substack. they just kind of like post on twitter it's way easier. Yeah. I, yeah. I, dude, it sucks. Like our good friend who I love invested in Substack and clubhouse and he, it is invested in everything, but those are just the two that we're talking about. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure those are both going to go out of business or not out of business. Twitter might kill both of them. I don't think they're gonna go out of business, but I don't think they're going to be venture sized returns. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, let's talk about, uh, podcasting. So you started some little shitbox podcast with, uh, Sean, and uh, now it's like number three in business, or I don't know. It's like really high up. Uh, can you tell us that story? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Shit box. Shit, you like that word? It's called <laughs> My First Million. It, the name is bad, but in a way, it's become good because it's so bad. So Sean came to me. It'll be two years in September, I think. He came to me, and he goes, I, uh, I, rec- I want to launch a podcast for The Hustle. And I've known Sean has been a close friend of mine since 2014, maybe. I've been close with him for a while. Monkey Inferno days. Yeah, for a long time. We've been buddies. And he came. He goes, I got this idea for a podcast. Here's episode one. He already had a pilot. And I listened to it. And I go, in. We're in. And we negotiated the deal. And we started promoting it. And it was just him interviewing people on how they got their first million users, their first million revenue, profit, whatever. Was it like a how I built this knockoff? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was great. And he was good at it. And then he was like, dude, finding guests are hard. This one guest just canceled. Do you want to just come to the studio and let's just um, brainstorm? Because we did that all the time. We would do this thing called Junto or something where we would meet every two weeks and we would talk about different ideas that we're seeing. And we would have an expert come in and we would deconstruct shit. And it was awesome. People loved it. And he goes, just come and just do that with me. And we did do it. And we've been consistent to the point where now we've been putting out like four a week for like two years. And, or we've not done four a week the whole time. We've done like, it started with one a week and then two. And then, and then we just have, we're consistent. And I think Sean has gotten like crazy talented at this podcast. He's really good at it. He didn't start, he started out as good. Now he's great. I thought you were way better in the beginning. I was like, Sam's carrying the show. And now the last couple of times I'm like, mm, I think it might've flipped a little bit. Not well, carrying you, but it's just like, he's really good now. He's really good. I, the thing is, is that I'm working on growing it. And so we have, we have, we made a deal like a, a handful of months ago. I'm like, Hey, let me focus on growing this. And I'm going to like uh, kind of be behind the scenes. Like I'll know what to do to grow it, but I need you to do a lot of the research uh, ahead of time. And so that's, so he gets a lot of the credit. And also I do think he is actually legitimately more talented at it. I mean, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Cause I've known him for a while too, through you. And like, he wasn't that good before. He definitely worked, grew at it. It's kind of cool to see. He, it, he's, he's a, the, the thing about Sean is he loves it. So like he's a, he wants to be a teacher. So if you ask him what his life goal is, he's like, I want to teach a billion people. Like he loves it. I don't love it. it. To me, it's just a means to an end. 
Did y'all have a plan back then to do anything or grow? Was there a number or was it just like fun? And it was kind of like, eh, let's fuck around. Yeah, happens. we both wanted to be number one. So From the beginning? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I was like, we didn't, I didn't see, I didn't know how that was going to happen. And we're still not number one. Like, but, you know, we're becoming one of the most popular. And in order to be number one, like if we got like a, um, once we cross about a million downloads a month, we'll be bordering on like one of the more listened to uh, podcasts. Um, how does a podcast make money? Does it? Before it was ads. Now, none of our shit makes money. I mean, Trends makes money. So, so the hustle owns the podcast and it made someone like Microsoft would buy an ad on the email and some of the ads would go on to the podcast and Sean would get a cut, cut of that money. Now that HubSpot's the only owner they are our only advertiser and they um they we run hubspot ads so t i guess technically it doesn't make money but as a subsidiary it makes money because in a way hubspot is buying ads on the podcast but they own it so, so they basically fund the whole thing now they fund the whole thing but trends makes money so trends funds our whole operation hmm. i mean trends will make you know we could it, like hypothetically I, I don't know what i could say since we're like a public company but like there there's probably a world where trends makes 20 to 30 million dollars a year in a very short amount of time that's pretty awesome and subscription revenue yeah what would you suggest for growing a podcast what, what have you noticed it's so hard i think there's really only two or three ways that you can do it the number one way is by being a guest on other people's podcast the number two way <laughs> is by buying ads on other people's podcasts being a guest you're basically just it's a free ad and more in depth. If, if you if you can't do that, then you got to buy ads on that podcast. So we're buying ads. So you, have you heard of uh, We Study Billionaires? No. It's like a really popular business podcast. We're buying ads on that, and it works. And then the third one is um, just using our daily email. But really, those two are the only two growth methods I've ever seen work. You, it's funny. So well, in the third, well, there's a fourth one, which is like be Joe Rogan or like be Caller Daddy and just be like exceptional and outlandish and like different. But that's like really i can't that's not really good advice yeah well we have a buddy uh noah kagan and he has a podcast first and then he started a youtube channel and it seemed a lot easier to grow the podcast but what he said was interesting he's like it's good for someone with an audience already it's hard to build a podcast audience dude it's whereas so hard youtube naturally kind of spreads your message whereas a podcast it's like only your audience listens and no one really finds it yeah the, and like technically like a lot of youtubers are podcasters so like logan paul has the logan paul podcast on youtube but having that daily cadence where you're in someone's ear for 45 minutes is pretty nutty like i get recognized on the street by my voice so like there's it happens on a weekly basis someone will say all right are you sam i go yeah what's going on and he goes man i'm like i have you in my voice for four hours a week and they'll say like and they'll make a comment like yeah because you know sam you don't like x y and z and i'm like i don't and he's like yeah you said it in this time and i like i talk so much i don't remember that but it's crazy that these people like get to know you like through that podcast are they surprised how ugly you are <sighs> i think they oftentimes they they're like i didn't realize that you were going to be this tall or this big i thought you were you're pretty big <laughs> but they say um i thought that you were just gonna be like a little dork you do look like a French boy on HGH. Well, I, mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> I am that testosterone, but they, 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 they tell me, they go, I always switched you and Sean because you have like a high pitched nerd voice, but you look like a bro and he's got a low pitched, uh, bro voice, but he looks like a nerd. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. Sean's big too. I don't like the same size. He's yeah, big. but he's not athletic looking. Uh, he's getting there. He's getting better. He is. And he is tall too. He's six two as well. And he's thick. Yeah. He's pretty big. Would y'all say, like, by volume, y'all are probably the largest podcast out there? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, right?
All right. Uh, yeah, by weight, y'all definitely are uh, definitely the highest. Uh, let's, let's talk about some rich people shit. Uh, so you've met a lot of rich people, talked to them, blah, 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 interacted. Uh, give me some insights. What's some rich people stuff that normies Dude, don't know about? Okay, there's a bunch of stuff. So I've had this event called HustleCon. So I've like... Been, it's been crazy. Like I always tell these people to come an hour early. I like I don't tell them it's an hour early, but it is, and it's so I can just hang out with them backstage. So I get to like it's like my hack to like get to know these people. So I've had like the founders of WeWork, Casper. Um, um, I mean just like three hundred different startups that are mm. probably all, many of them are huge, and I got to know them, and it was pretty shocking. So like a few shocking things, like a lot of people were. In, in one regard, quite normal. Like they still had like doubts. Like I remember one guy, I think it was Sam Yagen, the guy who started OkCupid and was the CEO of Match.com. I told him I'd pay for his flight. And he it, the flight that he booked was like $300 from Chicago round trip. So I guess he flew economy. And he like made sure to follow up to make sure that that flight got reimbursed. So <laughs> like in, in some regard, like that's like pretty normal. And in another regard, like I noticed that like all of them have this attitude of why not me? Why can't I do this? Do you know what I mean? Of um, like, I remember Miguel, the guy who started WeWork, was explaining the vision and how it got started, and I was like, "Yeah, that that all makes sense." But like, I would never like most people would never have done that. And he was like, "Well, why why shouldn't I have done it? It sounded like a good idea." And I was like, "You're you're right. You're you're totally right. It's just that that emotional thing of like why you know well, but maybe someone else should do this. Like a lot of these guys don't have that. What else?" Um, um, I don't, I think that th there is a threshold to where money doesn't make a difference and it's probably lower than what most people think. I do think that a lot of these folks there, I talked to them a lot about their monthly expenses and it goes up like crazy, but their happiness doesn't go up like crazy. Unfortunately, what's, but that number, I don't know. That number is like, like the difference between a billion, uh, someone who's has a net worth of like 1 million liquid and like a billion liquid or a billion total net worth it, in terms of happiness is probably quite minimal. Hmm. You have more shit, but you have also have more shit to worry about. And I think that that's true. Um, what else? Um, oh, Warren Buffett always talked about, he, whenever he's talking to like a college or something, he's just like, if you think about it, we're not that different. Like we use the same phone. We have probably the same size TV. And he's like, the only difference is whenever I fly, it's in my own little jet. Which like, is that's sick. really the only difference. There's not too much more. Which is definitely cool, but I've flown private because I've had friends that had jets and it's sick. But like you just I just save like a few hours. I mean, that's not like it's not and I don't travel that much, so it's not like the biggest difference. Um what else? Um like I think there was that study that said like the eighty thousand dollar a year, like you're not happy. I heard that's bullshit. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. I do think it's like two hundred and fifty thousand. You know what year. it is? You know what I think it really is? I think it's when you make more than your friends. Well, I, and I would actually say that that's like a downside, which is like you and I hang out with a lot of like interesting in terms of successful, like financially successful people. And I find it to be exhausting and I have to go and realize that like this, th that's not normal. And it's, I, I like, Wait, why is it exhausting? Well, because the definition of on like happiness is like the gap between expectations and reality. And if your expectation if you only hang around like ballers or something like that, and you're like, well, I'm not a baller unless I have this much money. And because these five of my friends have this much money, then you're going to be unhappy. But then you go hang out with people who don't have that. And you're like, well, I'm killing it. Like, I'm ha like, why do I need anything else? And I think that that like, it could be really dangerous to hang out with just to, 
just to be caught in a stupid bubble because like um the financial stuff isn't nearly as important as unfortunately i thought it was going to be but that said there's like this stupid thing is like you're you, it, that's silly advice to give because you can't experience it unless you've actually done it yeah well, like it sounds so trite right like someone who's like maybe wealthy explaining how it doesn't matter so it is kind of bullshit to be in that perspective true i've also seen i mean we've also seen like a lot of people go from not wealthy to very wealthy and i will say i don't think there's a difference in happiness level i think that people are just kind of like for the most part they're just kind of like what they are and they they're just like that level but richer when you first met me i had eighteen thousand dollars in my bank account and my rent each month was four hundred dollars and i lived in a shithole house that was filthy and disgusting, right? And you were pretty happy. I was pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah, I was almost the same. Maybe, I don't, I think it's like probably a false belief, but I, there's definitely a chance I was happier. Because I was like, but I was also like 22 and like, just like being a wild man. Yeah, you were you were in San Francisco. You had a little office here. You were you were running itch juice out of your apartment. It was yeah. exciting times. Uh, you had, uh, you know, fun people that you were interacting with. Yeah, it was great. I think you're about as happy. Yeah. I think I'm the same. Yeah. Almost the same. And everyone I know, even some of our uh, neurotic Jewish friends that, uh, oh, <clears throat> Noah Kagan, uh, it's like, he's, he's the same. I don't think it's any different. I don't think it's any different. Probably not. And I think that you're just going to be that way for the rest of your life. Dude, I, I don't know if it changes. It, and it's, I was just telling David Shapiro this the other day. I was like, I was stressing out. The other day, I bought a $120 bike rack, for, and then I bought another $40 one. And then I bought a $500 one. I'm like, I'm going to test all of them because like it hurts me to buy the $500 one. So I'm only going to do it if it's actually the best. And it turns out the $40 one was great. And I'm like, I, I, I a, had so much stress over agonizing this. And I was like, oh, on my credit card, I'm going to have three bike racks. And that's like $700 out of my bank account. It kills me, even though I know I'm going to exchange it. But then I was so happy. I'm like, fuck yeah, the cheaper one is the best one. I feel happy. I could save money. It makes me so happy to save and to be frugal. And it makes me so stressed, regardless of what I have or don't have, to, to spend that extra 60 bucks or whatever it is. Like it, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> like that frugality, like it's so ingrained, I can't break it. I heard a great quote by Vitalik Buterin, the guy who invented uh, Ethereum. He, he's really young. He's a pretty young guy. But he said something interesting because he's like a billionaire many times over now. And he said something interesting. He's like, it's more fun to think of money as not something what it can do for you, but the more you have of it, you have to do less stuff. You have to worry about less things. Because if you want a bike rack on your bike and you're poor, you have to think about how much it costs. But that's my point is I still like agonized over no, but it. it. But if you're rich, if you really wanted to get it done, you can just pay someone to do it. You Correct. Can, you don't have to think about it. Well, I mean, I can. You, you, you have the There's something too. inside of like some type of guilt where I'm like, it's undisciplined and wasteful to do this if you don't have to. That's how I feel. I agree. But then if it came really crunch time to it, yes. you could just get it done. I remember, I remember the first time I felt really rich and it wasn't like, it wasn't anything crazy. It was a, a friend had a last minute bachelor party in Vegas. Like they changed the venue or whatever. And the flight was $900. This was back in the day. And I was just like, I wouldn't even like consider a $900 flight. And then I remember thinking, I was like, oh, I made this much money this month. Like I get easily afford this and i was like fuck it let's pay the 900 dollars and just did it and i went to vegas that day and i remember thinking like oh that's that's what that is that's what that's the cool part about having money like i just didn't even have to worry about that yeah the like really the only like i feel one of the very few things that i do and i don't sweat about it is i when i go to i only shop at whole foods and i just don't care about what the bill is because i'm like that just genuinely makes me happier 
but I spent overspending on other stuff. It, it hurts me. I went through the Whole Foods phase one time and I had a $4,000 bill one month and I was like, I have to cut back. From what? Dude, I went there three times a day because I lived next door to it. So <laughs> I don't care. Like that makes me happy. I'm putting it in my body and like the only thing we have is our health. So if it makes me even remotely healthier, right. I'm into it. Okay, so now we're going to do something interesting. We're going to do a lightning round, okay? So I'm going to time you on little timer. Dude, look thing. at, dude, I, it looks like I got some thick old thighs on this video. Dude, my calves are way bigger than yours though. I don't know, that? man. Yeah. Quadzilla, baby. <laughs> this is the OnlyFans video. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I don't do podcasts where you could like see my lower, see my upper thigh. Yeah, see we might hamstring. have to do something about this little crotch shot situation going on for the next one. This this whole thing will be say. How do you do a timer on your phone? Uh, you go you go to uh, like clock, clock or something. Oh. Dude, I'm just gonna flex my legs. Look at these. Just this is just dedication of squats. I never right. get to see that view of myself. Yeah. Dude, you look like Macho Man Randy Average. <laughs> <laughs> I have some other jokes here too. Yeah. Someone called me uh, the Vanilla Gorilla. <laughs> vanilla. Sam, you're such a dork. Your wife just asked if your relationship could go remote. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make that up? I think I saw it somewhere. Uh, okay, so let's do a let's do a lightning round. Ready? Set. Okay. So you're 21 again. You want to start a side business. What do you do? Hmm. And you only have one minute to answer. Oh, uh, I would either start a blog on a topic that I care about and I would read books and uh, become an expert on a topic, but I wouldn't actually become an expert. I would just be like two weeks ahead. So I would read something and then write about it and then publish it. So it's like, I'm just like studying two weeks ahead of my audience and I would then eventually launch a course on it. Or I would, uh, uh, um, just try to dominate like a local city in terms of um i would look at either landscaping irrigation services or trash hauling because typically they're really bad at optimizing yelp and i would become number one at yelp uh, and just put a put, become like a blue collar guy where i would and i would try to make a million dollars a year doing it wow that was a pretty good answer uh that was actually a pretty good answer uh let's <laughs> see <laughs> uh explain your favorite email the hustle ever ran or something cool the hustle ever did um one time and I, uh, it was kind of not, f I, it wasn't funny. It was funny at the time, but a lot of people got angry the day after Trump won, instead of like talking about Trump winning, we just wrote the email as if it was like a normal email, but we did it in like Trump vernacular. Oh, <laughs> so as if he was like talking about it. And I thought that that was funny, but a lot of people did not like that. <laughs> All right. Okay. So in two sentences, how do you grow a really big Twitter following? Long threads. Is that it? Um, wait, uh, two sentences. Um, long threads that summarize stuff that you've discovered on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, saying controversial stuff and picking fights. And like, it's like prison. The first day you get into prison, you got to beat up someone bigger than you. If you pick a fight with someone larger than you, it's a pretty good way to get out there. <laughs> So pick on someone and make them your bitch. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, okay. Similar question. In two sentences, how do you grow a big email following? Um, blogging a ton and then capturing 3% of the people who come to their website and paid marketing on Facebook. Well, you can acquire emails in most niches for $2 or $3. Nice. Okay. And then a uh, little... This might be a little bit on the spot, but who are five good people to follow on Twitter? Um, I like Sean. I think Sean consistently. So Sean Purry. So Sean Purry VP. Um, 
I think Trung is hilarious. Trung fan. Um, five people on Twitter. So I actually follow no one on Twitter, by the way, because um, I got too addicted to it. So but you but, follow Jack Smith and your wife. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I don't even follow Jack anymore because he tweets too much like. Oh yeah. <laughs> stuff. He's rich now. He doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, who are three more? Um, I like Ariel Hawani. He covers MMA, so I think he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's fun for him because he's like an entrepreneur journalist. Um, I also like Ramit Sethi. He mm-hmm. tweets amazing personal finance stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I would say liquidity. Do you know liquidity? Oh. They post funny financial memes. Nice. Cool. And then uh, where can people find you on the web, social media, stuff you sell? I always tell people, don't email me. I'm not going to answer because I just don't check it too often because I, I get too many. The Sampar on Twitter. Or I just launched a YouTube channel. What's it called? Just type in Sampar or something. Yeah, like that. I think so. Yeah. What are you going to talk about it? So I did the drinking video thing. It only got 2,000 views, but that was my first video. First video? That's pretty good. Yeah. Also, uh, the views are actually 2,000. On Twitter, it says like, oh, 400,000 impressions. It doesn't mean shit. So it got 2,000 views and like 30 com- or 20 comments maybe, and that was like cool. So um, I don't drink alcohol anymore. And, and in a couple of weeks, it'll be like, I think seven or eight years since I've drank. And so I did a video on that, and that got views. And I got to figure out what the next three are going to be. I, my goal was four videos this year. It's like a small little goal for me to try. Does this count as a thing? This looks no, like it's got to be my video. And you <laughs> and you took the initiative of setting this up. So it's like my little challenge. I, maybe I'll do something on I uh, this car that I bought. If you're a car nerd, it's, it's called the AMG E63 wagon, which 9 out of 10 normal people, they're like, I don't care. It just looks like a normal station wagon. But car nerds are obsessed with it. So maybe I'll do like a video on it on that. What else? Are you going to do like a Doug DeMuro style? I uh, could. Uh, so I'm driving. I'm taking a like a two or 3,000 mile road trip, maybe 2,000 miles from here to New York. And maybe I'll document it or something. Oh yeah, do that. Like that a little vlogging cool. thing? Yeah, that could yeah. be kind of cool. Have you ever considered like YouTube shorts or a little like Instagram stuff or like yeah, short videos? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, I think that could be fun. What else? Um, I don't know, man. Um, I, I'm in the process. So like a few months ago, I got like pretty like big and strong and I was like strong. And now I'm trying to like lose weight. Maybe I could like document that. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I did the muscular thing. I can lose weight now. Maybe I'll document that. When did you have big muscles? I don't, I don't see. Shit. Well, I'm getting smaller, yeah, but I could take hey, right I, uh, what did I do? I benched 315, squatted 400, and deadlift 500. That's pretty good. You were doing videos about Ramon, our friend, beating you up. That was pretty fun. Yeah, dude, I'm still hurting from that. So I'm learning how to box, and we posted videos of me getting beat up. It sucked. Um, yeah, I got to figure out what to do. Cool. Well, go check it out. I guess Google Sam Parr. Yeah. I only yeah. have one video up there. Is this a show up if I Google Sam Parr or, or like a YouTube it? Yeah, definitely. Nice. Subscribe. I think YouTube subscribers are very loyal and good and real. How many videos are you doing a week? <sighs> I haven't done any. So I was looking at uh, a socialblade.com. You could see people's stats. So I was spying on people, judging them, stuff like that. And I looked at mine. I was like, dude, what's this big dip? Well, I didn't post anything for like five months or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's what the dip is. But here's the crazy part. Guess how much traffic I lost by not posting for a long time? None. Really? On YouTube. It's like SEO traffic. It just it just keeps going. Like it, But Neville or uh, Noah, like he it was consistent and it's like it feels like it's He's just also like, spending a million dollars a year on his YouTube channel. Which I and I told him this. I don't think he needs to. Uh yeah, he probably doesn't need to. I yeah. think that his stuff is overproduced. Like it's amazing, but like some of the animations 
add a ton of work and money. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it, add, it adds a, a little bit, uh, like the cost to benefit ratio or whatever is yeah. not there. I do think it makes it cooler, but it's not like a million dollars cooler. Well, I tried working backwards because uh, me and Noah actually had a challenge to get to 50,000 subscribers each. And Who we won? Both, uh, he did. He, he started uh, 15,000 ahead. And he won. And the delta of increase actually was about the same. But then what happened is he started really posting like three videos a week, which is very, very difficult to do full videos. And he's done it for like 18 months now. Yeah, he's, he's done it very consistently. And I was just kind of like, I'm not really, I didn't really have a goal after 50,000. And I still don't even really care about the goal to hit 100,000 necessarily. But what I did miss about when I was doing YouTube regularly was the interviews. I really liked this. I really liked just sitting down talking. I felt like I learned a lot. I was happier about it. Uh, just sitting in front of the camera making videos was, it, I could do it, but it wasn't really something I enjoyed a lot. So I have an idea. Okay, so I started like a little fun on the side. So we'll invest like $10 million this year into startups. Mm-hmm. Um, me and this guy, Joe. Do you know Joe? Is my on friend sale? Joe Spicer. Oh. Um, do you remember Little Things? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, he started Little Things. Got it. it. It was like the most shared blog on the internet for a minute. It was like upworthy, like virally shit, whatever. Successful, like entrepreneur guy, a little bit older than me. So he kind of taught me about investing and we've started a little mini fund together and we'll like invest maybe $10 million this year into startups. And I, the way, one thing I've been doing is I write, so we write, we invest our own money and then we write memos that explain what the company is. And we said, we each are investing our own money. If you'd like to also invest, you can. And if the company ever sells in eight years, we get a very small percentage of the upside. And what I do is I write the memos of what the company, and I don't, it's like unethical to like, I'm not trying to sell the company because it's like all like, it's this is gambling, it's all high risk, right? But I explain the company in like a, what I think is like a cool way. And that has been one of the reasons why our, people invest in the stuff is because we like explain complicated companies in easy to understand ways. And you're like, Oh, okay. I understand why this might work. And what I think could be cool is I should start a YouTube channel and get big in a little bit way. Like I, I should be willing to invest the money kind of like what Noah has done. And then I could just like explain what those companies are like, and I can monetize it via investing in interesting startups. Uh, I think that's, I think it's a great idea. Also, uh, one thing I've noticed about YouTube videos is uh, I haven't used a teleprompter before, but I would just kind of like read off my computer kind of like a teleprompter. If you write something down like an email or a post, it's really easy to look in the camera, read it at the same time and make a great video. The problem is the editing. I hate doing that stuff. Someone else can help you out with that. Yeah, but you have to invest. I guess what I'm saying is I'm down to, but that would be investing my own money into doing this. You already have someone that edits your videos. Well, the, that, but there's a difference so that they work at the hustle. So I, I wouldn't, I, you can't, I can't, uh, share, you know, you gotta, I, you gotta separation of church and state. Like there's gotta be the same part of shit. And then the, eh, well, it seems like a very solvable problem. There's even like services. Out it there is solvable. It, I'm yeah. saying, but I'm going to have to invest my own money and I want to yeah. see, I want to know like, what's the, what's like the goal of this? Why would I do this? I, I don't care about being famous like that. I would want to do it to, you know, what I think you actually be really good at have, we've been experimenting with YouTube shorts, which is like about a minute long. If you upload it in 15 seconds, if you just take it from your phone, basically a copy of TikTok, basically a copy of reels, that kind of stuff. I think you'd actually be really good at some of those. Yeah. I'll like a short clip it. of you just talking. I don't think there'd be any editing. It's like you holding up a phone being like, Hey guys, I think this blah, 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 company, company, company. And like that, like it seems to match your style. And I also think you'd be really good at Dude, it. Dude, check this out. So there's this company called Stan that I invested in. Um, and what it does. Stand? Stan, uh, Stan like uh, a crazy fan. Oh, Stan. I don't even know what their <laughs> URL is. It could be like getstan.com or I don't even remember. But 
what it is is do you know what Linktree is? Mm-hmm. So like in your you go to like Neville Nevmed's Twitter, it says like here's my Linktree. You click it and it could be like you know go to uh, copywritingcourse.com check out my Instagram it's like a variety of stuff so mm-hmm. it's kind of like that but then it could be like book me for a consult for like $500 an hour here's my calendar <coughs> uh, so, uh, pay me money to answer a question so it's like Linktree but like you can monetize it whatever the, the point is not the company but when I was looking at it, I'm like why did I decide to invest why do I want to invest in this and I saw a stat a lot of Gen Zers something like 30 or 40 percent of Gen Zers they want a career that involves YouTube that's the most becoming a professional YouTuber is the most desired career for 18 year olds. Hmm. It's like 40%. It was like 30% wanted to become a YouTuber and like 10 was like Twitch people or something like that. It all involved like YouTube. It was pretty amazing. And so I invested in this company because of that reason. But the reason I'm bringing it up is I'm almost positive YouTube. We think that it's like mainstream and popular now. I think it's not even close to what it's going to be. Probably. Yeah. I imagine. And it's, I mean, it's huge, right? It's the second biggest search engine in the world. It's already massive, massive, massive. I think it's going to be more massive. Ironically, a lot of the people that I know that are famous on YouTube, they work a lot. Like, I don't actually think it's as enjoyable as people think. People think that they're just like, well, I think it's like everything else as a job. Yeah. It is a full time job to be a YouTuber. Yeah. But I I mean, like, it's probably more fun than being a something else that is like, but it's like a fun, but yeah, but it's work. I mean, podcasts are work. People are like, do you enjoy doing your podcast? I'm like, I enjoy it, but it's work. Or when we did that meetup in Austin and Miami, it was like, was that fun for me? No, that wasn't fun. It's fucking work. Yeah, this is, you're weird though. Yeah. But I'll it's hard work. Like, like yeah, you're, you're on. It's it's a job. Yeah. It's like, does someone, does an artist love like doing a concert? I think they like their work, but it's work regardless, which means regardless if they feel happy or not, they have to do it. But you know what's funny? A few years ago, the definition of YouTuber, like, or you're like a travel blogger or something like that. Now what I've started to see, I follow like these pilots and stuff like commercial pilots or private pilots. And they just talk about like private piloting or commercial piloting. I, I follow, uh, I follow a bunch of people in random odd jobs. Uh, air stewardess is one people who work on yachts, like chefs and yachts. And they just record themselves like what they do all day. And I don't know why I watch this stuff. It's just really interesting. And those people are like, they make more money from their YouTube side gig than their actual job sometimes, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. I think it's sick. Maybe I think it's a great way to like parlay your current job into something else. I think there's a little bit of hell in there though, of like being like, does Noah, Noah's got does Noah get stopped in the street ever? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. One time we went to a comedy show and uh, on the way out, we saw one of the comedians and he was, he was just like, Hey man, you were the funniest one. And the guy was like, Noah Kagan. Oh damn. And like, we're just, what like, was oh, the comedian's name? I forgot. He was just like some local Austin guy. Yeah. I mean like it, 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 I think that that even a, a small amount of that, I, it's nerve wracking. Why you recognize a little bit? What? I think at a certain point, I think like being niche famous is cool. Like if you're a heart surgeon and you go to a heart surgery conference, they're like, damn, that's the yeah, 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 heart yeah. surgeon. But then you walk on the street, no one knows who you are. Right. You don't want to be A-list. I think that would be very dangerous feeling. Yeah, it just sucks when you could say shit and gets you in trouble. Yeah. All right, Sampar, thanks so much. You can find him at uh, Search Sampar, Twitter, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Me, Neville Medora, at NevMed, copywritingcourse.com. What do you think about copywriting? Is it awesome? I'm going to get my money's worth out of here. I'm not paying you anything, but still. I I have given you credit. I started my company because I took Neville's course. Ah, sweet. Well, there you go. So you should too. That's how we became friends. I cold emailed them after I took it. I started my company after it. I think I was predisposed to be good at it. Like I was was set up to be good at it, but I only discovered it because of the course. You were also an interesting person already. 
I think interesting people can write really well because they have interesting stuff to say. Yeah, but I, I, it became a skill, a craft. It became my craft after I took this. I yeah. didn't know like what. I was like, what the fuck is copywriting? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, and then you tricked me into staying uh, on a couch in your basement with your dog instead of putting me up at a hotel. So well, that's I didn't, how we became friends. I didn't trick you. I said, I'm going to handle your accommodation. <laughs> Tricking by omission. But anyways, <laughs> it worked out great. Sam Part, thanks so much. This is a great time. My buddy, my neighbor, uh, I'll miss you in New York, but everyone He'll say visit. what's up to Sam and uh, crash his house. He loves that. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> Goodbye. See ya. Bye.